Good morning. My name is David Chavez. I have the privilege of being a member here at Citywide now a little over a year, actually. So thank God for that. It's been a blessing for us. It's been an amazing couple of months uh, getting to know the membership here in the church and especially the leadership. Give a round of applause to the leadership in this church. I'll briefly share how I came to Citywide, uh, and it was actually through a Facebook midweek uh, live service. Uh, so shout out to the video ministry, so all of those people who are walking around that you may sometimes be like, what are they doing? They're essential. They're important. <laughs> and I have to say I'm a proud dad because my son Matthew is also working and ministering in the video ministry, so shout out to Phil. Thank you. Over a year ago, I found my wife sobbing over the kitchen counter, and I walked over to see what was happening, what was going on. She had her phone in front of her, and she was watching a Wednesday midweek service. When I come closer, she turns and she tells me, babe, you got to watch this. We need to visit this church. Now, mind you, this is in the middle of covid and we're all working at home, the kids are studying at home, ain't no one leaving the house. But of course, you know, as a good husband, right? Happy wife, happy life. Y'all know the saying, right? I said, of course we will, someday. But I have to, I have to say, listening to the worship that day captivated my heart. And just a little backstory of myself, worship and ministry have been at the heart of my life for many years. I studied piano since I was five years old. I worked in church as a music minister for many years and pastored a church in New York City for a couple. I studied at Nyack College and I went and I attended Alliance Theological Seminary. So worship and ministry, I'm no stranger to it. (laughs) It's, It's been a part of my life. I've also been around enough to distinguish between that humble worship Versus that showy worship performance stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? This here is genuine worship. (laughs) Give a round of applause to the worship team. So so long story short, we visited in March of 2021 and became members in April of 2021 and attended 10 days of prayer. What was that? That blew my mind. I, I, I wanted to be there every day. It was a problem. The kids were sleeping on the bench, on the on this chairs. I didn't care. I'm worshiping. Like, we're going to get our worship in. The problem is that I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to have to take off days, and I work as a teacher, so that's a problem. <laughs> the beginning of the school year, how can we do that? I don't know. God will figure it out. But I gotta, we got to be there. Fast forward to now, we've met and connected with so many wonderful people, and and we have found community here. So online church, those who are watching, and those who are thinking, maybe I should come or maybe I shouldn't come, don't hesitate. Join us. Be here and worship with us. Those of you who know me from Citywide Español, because I've been preaching in Spanish, um, in Bible study as well on Tuesdays, so shout out to my people who have been coming out on Tuesdays. 
I love to dig deep into the word and break it down so, and talk a little bit about the historical context. So in our biblical conversation today, I want to continue talking about grace. Everyone say grace. grace. Pastor Mary preached last Sunday on the greatness of grace. It was such a blessing, right? She reminded us that his grace is sufficient for us, that grace is free, that we don't need to earn it. Grace is a symbol of his abundant provision for us. Ultimately, and I love this because she said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I wrote it down because I have so many thank yous to say to him. (laughs) Today's topic is grace is greater than my mistakes. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I just ask you to speak. Speak life into our hearts, into our lives. Let this word be transformative. Let it cause a chain of events in our lives that lead to that continual transformation so we can continue being just like you. Father, pour grace upon us, understanding and wisdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Turn with me today to Romans chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. And it 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 reads like this. This righteousness is given through faith. And if you have a highlight, because I'm a highlight person because I read on my phone. Highlight faith in Jesus Christ to all, I would circle, if you could circle, all who believe. Because it's really, really important. There is no difference between Jew and and Gentile, another key word I think that we need to understand, Jew and Gentile, because it's very important to this context. For all, everyone say all, all, I would highlight and circle all, have sinned and fought short of the glory of God. We're not just talking about one person. We're not just talking about one group of people. We're not just talking about one church. We're talking about everyone, right? And all, again, all is an essential word right here, so circle that word all, are justified. Here comes the solution, because there was a big problem. We're falling, right? We got an issue. And now, here's the solution that Paul presents. All are justified freely by his what? Grace. Circle that word grace again, because we're talking about grace. Through who? The redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I have the blessing of being a father of two amazing boys. And those of you who are parents know what a blessing it is to be parents, right? Amen? Amen. In the good and in the bad, right? (laughs) As an educator for over 18 years, I've also seen children grow up and been and come from immaturity, immaturity to maturity, from thinking about a career choice to actually being in their career, from doubting in self to becoming sure of self. On my own personal journey as a parent, I've learned a lot of raising by raising two boys. Now, side note, I really wanted girls. But I got outprayed by my wife. <laughs> so when she prays, I, I, I begin to worry. Because <laughs> I know God is listening to that prayer. Then we, we, got our, uh, we were blessed by our second boy a couple of years later. I, I continued to pray for the girl. No luck. But my opinion changed. See, what happened was that I went to Disney World, and I saw the princess packages that were being offered for the girls, and I saw the prices next. I said, wait a minute, what? How many? No, no, there has to be a decimal before those zeros. (laughs) 
So I thank God. I thank God that he freed me from that and he gave me deliverance and he provided me with the two boys that I have. Thinking more back 12 years ago when my first son was born, when I first found out, I kind of went into freakout mode. I was telling Eva, actually, her symptoms before she even knew them because I bought all the books about pregnancy. I was telling her what to expect in every stage of pregnancy. I was the expert in the fields. I was reading... <laughs> I was reading the preschool books. I was reading about daycare. I was reading about doctors. I was doing all those things. I even read this book called The Happiest Baby on the Block. So I, I, y'all laugh, but I'm telling you, that helped us. <laughs> I even bought a pregnancy Bible that detailed every single aspect of pregnancy. I was in it. I wanted to be that supportive father and supportive husband, right? Once we had our baby, it didn't stop then. I continued reading more books because now it was about the developmental stages, right? I was telling the doctor what he needed to check for. <laughs> I'll sum all this up with one phrase. I was afraid of making a mistake. I feared failing as a father. I feared failing as a husband. Yes, I prayed. Yes, I went to church. Yes, I asked God for wisdom. But my worry and fear overcame me. My greatest fear was to make a mistake with my son, to be the reason that he had issues later on. And this came from my own lack of relationship with my father. It always has been unstable and difficult and never consistent, and sometimes more of a headache than a blessing. So growing up, I knew... If I had a kid, I would not make the same mistakes. Fear of failure and making mistakes paralyzes us and stops, stops us dead in our tracks. It limits us from moving forward in our lives, in our careers, in our decision-making. There are people that aren't even able to make a choice for dinner or what I'm going to wear today. They struggle with these day-to-day -day decisions because they may not want to disappoint others or disappoint themselves. My son's birth was very difficult. It was actually an emergency C-section, my firstborn. No book, no amount of reading <laughs> could prepare us for this moment. Spending two weeks in the hospital, him in NICU, my wife on antibiotics. Months later, reflecting on this, I realized that I had placed my loyalty and my faith on books rather than on him. After five years, God blessed us with another child, and this time I wasn't reading any books. I had given away my pregnancy Bible. I felt like this had, I had figured it all out. I was done. I was an expert in the field because I had one kid. But I, I truly hadn't healed from that experience five years ago. And I remembered as they prepped my wife on the operating table, and she was all drugged up and really happy and smiling <laughs> because it was a planned C-section. And she was, she was comforting me because she saw the fear in my eyes. And as she was looking at me, flashbacks of five years ago was going through my mind and how my, my baby was coming out and he was lifeless and he had no oxygen and how doctors and nurses had to rush in to try to take him out. 
All these flashbacks were coming to me as my wife was saying, don't worry about it. I prayed. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how people can affect others with their faith? (laughs) When we come and gather as a community of believers, we can help each other grow in grace and face our mistakes and our struggles and fears. It was difficult to face the fear of making a mistake. It was difficult for me to deal with these feelings. Men, I'm sorry, we're just not great with feelings, right? It's sometimes we struggle with talking about these things. It's not our top priority. And our society has also the tendency of avoiding failures and talking about fears and talking about mistakes. It's just too painful. It's, it's better just to leave these things in the dark, untouched. Let's not talk about it. Men and women are self-medicating with prescription drugs and non-prescription drugs so they can take the edge off of performing at work or even performing at home. See, feeling is not in style anymore. We would rather not feel in order to simply get by because feelings are messy. This has caused our nation to go into the next pandemic, I believe, which is something dealing with mental health. We seek to alleviate the behaviors through medication, through therapy sessions that only go surf, only go little by, not not very deep into behaviors, but we don't want to get down and dirty. We don't want to get into prayer. We don't want to get connected into small groups in church. We don't want to deal with the soul issues that we have. Our churches are hesitant from dealing with these soul issues. So, you know, we, we simply say, I'll put it in prayer. Let's pray about it. Don't worry about it. And those of you, you know, know Christianese. Anybody know Christianese? Yeah, that's what the Christian talk, right? But people talk like this in church. That's basically, I'll interpret that. I really don't know what to do or to tell you, to help you, so I'm just going to say something spiritual. We prefer to self-medicate and sweep things under the rug. So you may ask, what can we do as a church? What can I do in my family? What can we do? Is there a solution? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Fortunately, we are not the only ones that have dealt with these problems. There was a church that was just as jacked up as us. There was a church that was just as messed up as us. They had conflict. They made mistakes. They were also afraid of failure. They feared the unknown. And they too often misunderstood what grace was. And a guy named Paul, anyone know that guy? He wrote a letter to this church, the church in Rome, to address some of these issues and provided them with some core foundational concepts that would bring complete healing to these areas of their lives. So let me give you a little context of what was happening in the church for a second. The church of Rome had Jewish members and Gentile members. So Gentile members were basically people who were not born to be Jewish, and they converted to Christianity. The Jews in the Roman church felt entitled. They felt that they had a closer connection to God. Only they heard God's voice, and following their ways was the best practice for the church. Too often this occurs in our churches, where there are some people that somehow have this greater access to God. You know, you guys know those people? They are the only ones that hear from God. They're the only ones that feel God's presence. They are never wrong. They always are telling people what to do and what not to do. Basically, Jesus needs them. They don't need Jesus. 
The Christian Jews were telling the Christian Gentiles that they needed to follow all the Jewish customs and laws in order to receive grace. In order to walk according to God's will and follow him, they had to follow the law. Breaking it down a little bit further, the Christian Jews were completely negating the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and its power. They were returning to what was comfortable, what they knew worked, and were rejecting grace that was providing for all of us on the cross. See, some people just hate it when God takes them out of their comfort zone. (laughs) and stretches them. They don't like to be stretched. They'd rather live in what they know, not deal with the junk in their lives, overlook their mistakes in their lives, live as if everything was okay. Then they don't, they don't know what to do. Then they blame the church. Then they blame God. Then they blame other people. See, living in denial is like living in ignorance. What did God tell the people of Israel when they wanted to live in denial? I don't think you guys want to know. See, he says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of your God. I also will ignore your children. Very light words, right? Living in denial not only affects your generation, but the generations to come. Being ignorant of the problems and mistakes in your life doesn't help us heal or make them go away. If we don't correct the mistakes now, our future generations will be bonded to these mistakes and probably repeat them. This is why we see families that have generational bondages, such as drug abuse, sexual abuse, addictive behaviors, the same sin patterns. Why? Because they've ignored their mistakes and they've chosen to deny, deny, deny. Naturally, there was a pushback from the Gentiles going back to the story of Rome, so much so that the gossip of the church spilled out into the streets of Rome. The Roman emperor got hold of the news that the Jews and Gentiles in the Christian church were at odds. Can you imagine that? They were likely and probably physically facing and encountering each other. There was some serious beef going on here. Serious. I mean, we could probably write a telenovela or soap opera based on what was happening in the Church of Rome. The church was becoming such a large problem that the Roman government noticed. The Roman emperor decided to throw all the Jews out of Rome. Folks, when we don't deal with our junk in private, it's only a matter of time before it spills out into public. We think we're doing a great job at hiding our issues. <laughs> we're, we're perfect. We become experts at hiding things. But see, all these mistakes and flaws, they eventually, they, there's no more room in our heart. And they all begin to overflow into different areas of our lives. This is why there's so many ministers and pastors and apostles and evangelists and ministers that have scandals and put a stain on ministry because they didn't deal with the internal issues and scandals and problems that they had before entering into ministry. They didn't, they didn't want to be stretched. <laughs> they didn't want to have the full understanding of what grace was, because grace is greater than our mistakes. I remember my last class in seminary, my professor took us into a room, into a small group, 
And he said, this is the time we got to do a full confessional here. We got to lay out all your junk. I was like, what? I wasn't ready for that one. And if you don't do it, um, you're not graduating. We had to deal with it. We had to face it. It was ugly. And before we started actually talking, he started to pray for us. And confession started coming out like vomit. He said, I refuse to send you out as pastors and ministers and people in ministry without dealing with your soul issues. Leaders, when we don't deal with our junk, we hurt others. Church, if we don't confront our issues, we are easy targets for the enemy. If we don't deal with our mistakes, we cannot heal. As this ongoing drama occurs, we, we, we get a hold. Who gets a hold of all this news that's happening in the church of Rome? The one and only Paul. And don't mess with Paul because he will tell you straight what was happening here. So interesting enough, the problem occurring in the church of Rome was not persecution of Christians. <laughs> it, it was not uh, Christians being killed in the middle of the streets, although that did occur. The problem was Christians battling Christians. Can you imagine that? Fellow brothers who knew each other, grew up with each other, who fellowship with each other, who knew each other for years, were now going at each other. Thank God that doesn't happen today, right, church? <laughs> Praise the Lord. We've been delivered from that. God is, God's grace is greater than our mistakes. In response to the chaos that was occurring in the church of Rome, Paul writes a letter full of statements to teach the Roman church how to behave. There was a lot of immature Christians running their mouths. You guys know some, right? It's not you, of course. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Paul responds with a timely and effective word, and he says, grace. And I'll read that scripture again. This righteousness is given through faith on, in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and and Gentile. Now do we understand why there was, he was saying there was a difference between Jew and Gentile? Because they were at each other. <laughs> For all have sinned. He said, no, no, no. You're not different from that one. We're all in the same boat here together. We all have sinned. You're no better than me. Right? Because some people like to point the finger. And all are justified freely. Everyone is not just a certain group. It's not the Jews. It's not the, no, no. It's everyone who's been justified freely by what? His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So let me talk a little bit about grace. Grace or charis in Greek referred to a transactional business relationship between a patron and a client. When Jesus talks about grace, when Paul talks about grace, He's really talking about this transaction that everyone knew that was occurring in the first century. He knew that his audience completely understood the terms of grace. It was a relationship. It was a long-lasting relationship that lasted for generations and generations and generations. These relationships were so strong, it was literally the backbone that, and building blocks of Rome and Greek society. It ran everything. It was the modern-day banking system and credit card system. When grace is mentioned, the New Testament audience completely understood this. They knew what the patron-client relationship was. Grace was not a term that was used to refer to God or his benevolence, actually. It was actually a secular term. Can you believe that? 
The word grace, though, is completely transformed in the New Testament. And God adopts this word and he changes it. And he talks about his special relationship that he now has acquired, that he's adopted with each one of us. The corruption that may have occurred with grace in the ancient world was not God's grace. No, in the first century, grace was not provided for everyone. Not all had access to a patron. It was difficult to develop relationships with patrons, but God made grace accessible to all. I love when God adds his own twist to things. Don't you love that? He just makes things better. (laughs) Point number one, God's grace grants access. God transforms the word grace and its meaning. Mistakes were washed away. Errors didn't matter. Behaviors, backgrounds, lifestyle didn't matter to receive his grace. It doesn't matter where I come from. It doesn't matter who my parents are. It doesn't matter how much money I have, what my education is, what my culture is, what my gender is. It doesn't matter because grace is given to all. No matter how great my mistake is, no matter how how far I have fallen, no matter what you have done, you have been given access to grace. Amen. Give a round of applause to him because he is worthy to be praised. Another important part of grace and the grace system in the first century was the response to a client and a receiver. See, the client was to respond with loyalty, honor, and dedication to their patron. There was an understood expectation with no exception. This was summoned by a specific word, and that word was faith. Yes, faith in this context was a secular term that God uses and transformed for the benefit of the kingdom. And faith was a reaction of the client and the patron. The patron was expected to come through on his promise. Hasn't God come through for you? Providing goods, providing resources, connections, relationships, shelter, and protection. Isn't he awesome? The client was never expected to pay back dollar for dollar. Thank God. But (laughs) he was to give honor to the patron. He was to give respect, gratitude, and loyalty. This ensured generations of patron-client relationships. No one would ever think of not honoring their patron. There was an expected action. Grace was not a passive thing. You just didn't simply receive it and walk away or abuse it. No, 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 no. (laughs) When Paul talks about accessing grace through faith, he's actually telling us this, that there is an expected response to grace. And that response is an attitude of loyalty, gratitude, and worship. Point number two, God's grace demands a response. God's grace demands a response. How are you responding to God's grace today? Have you responded with an attitude of worship? Are you grateful for God's provision in your life? Our main issue isn't receiving the grace. No, we receive the grace. No problems. But our greatest problem is responding to grace. We abuse grace. We think we can play around with God's provision. We take it for granted. We take for granted his love and his provision. We've allowed 21st century mindsets to change and blur the lines of grace. Today, it's all about me. It's all about how I benefit. It's all about my relationship. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. 
but we got it all wrong because it's not all about me. It's all about him. When we respond in worship and gratitude, grace becomes greater than our mistakes. When we respond to grace, our life reflects God. Our life becomes similar to our patron. This is the response to grace. We are no longer limited, bounded, or stopped by earthly limitations. We gain access to spiritual authority. We gain freedom from past issues in his name. This is what Paul was talking to the church of Rome. Hey, wake up. You guys, the past is the past. We need to live in the present because God's grace is more than sufficient for us. We have authority to cast out demons. We have authority to heal the sick. We gain access to godly wisdom. We gain access to words of knowledge and vision and godly dreams. This is what our patron has given us access to. It's not the worldly possessions because sometimes, you know, this this gospel of wealth, uh uh-uh, wrong. It's it's, it's a gospel of spiritual wealth. (laughs) That's the access that we have. That's That's the access that we have through his grace. Are we living in the fullness of his grace? Are we living in that fullness of the identity that God has given us? He has designed a special place for you in heaven. He's designed something special for you today as well. Are you living in that fullness? Or are you just reliving the past, continuously living as a victim and not a victor? Finally, point number three, God's grace encounters all. Paul tells the church of Rome again, this church is experiencing plenty, plenty of issues, right? That it doesn't matter what your junk is. It doesn't matter how deep the, the issue is, how you've hated your brother or your sister, what, who has wronged you, how great of sin you committed. There is grace for you. Can you tell your neighbor there is grace for you? Paul, speaking to a divided church, provides these words of comfort to set up the stage for what is to come for the church of Rome. He continues urging the church to stay away from people who are divisive. You guys know those people? You guys know those people who are divisive, right? Just pray about it. Let me tell you something what happened today. But I'm telling you because I just want you to pray about it. Yeah, right. You just want to share the gossip. Oh, you know what happened in church today? You know what happened at the workplace today? Let me just tell you what happened. But don't tell no one. Yeah, divisive people. Stay away from them. Paul said it many, many times because there were so many divisive Christians. We're not even talking about people in the world. We're talking about people in church. Paul addresses the issues of division entitlement, fears of making mistakes, fears of failure, fears of inadequacy, and bridges all these gaps with grace. Grace bridges the gap between us and God. How many say amen to that? (laughs) I love Paul because he doesn't let them go easy. See, he, he makes them aware of their problem. He puts it in writing. He makes it public and addresses it with a solution. He encounters the sin. He confronts the mistake. He deals with the issues and then tells them, but his grace 
justifies them. But his grace is for all. But his grace doesn't distinguish between your cultural background. But your grace, but his grace doesn't make anyone feel left out. But his grace is greater than our mistakes. Don't you need his grace today? When I was full of fear, doubting in myself, fearing the possibility of making a mistake as a father or a husband, I was neglecting the cross. I was neglecting his grace. Just as the, as the Jews were doing in the church of Rome, just as the Gentiles were probably doing, I was denying the power of the cross in my life. It is through that power, the power on the cross, that we are given grace to overcome every circumstance. up thinking that my performance was linked to my identity. If I failed at something, I was a failure. If I made a mistake, then I was a mistake. If I couldn't complete something, something was wrong with me. But grace. <laughs> Isn't grace awesome? But grace. Understanding the fullness of grace has allowed me to understand my identity is no longer linked or defined by my mistakes, but by the sacrifices on the cross. My mistakes are part of the road, but not the end of the road. My mistakes don't define me, but refine me. <laughs> See, that's God's grace. That's God's grace. It gives us access it demands a response, and it encounters us all. You may stand with me. How are you responding to grace today? That's the question. Are you living as if grace is greater than your mistakes? Or are you living that like your mistake is greater than grace. How are you responding to him today? And as Pastor Mary said last week, grace is for everyone. We don't have to earn it there for us. We simply just have to access it, receive it, and respond to it. How are you responding to His grace?
Maybe you're kind of in and out. You've heard about his grace. You've heard about his word. But you're still struggling with the decision. Today is the day that the struggle is over. You make this decision today. His grace is more than sufficient for you. His grace is here. Respond to it. Respond to his grace today. Respond by coming forward, raising your hand and saying, Jesus Christ, I want you as my Lord and Savior. Today it ends. The cycle ends. The generational curses end. I want to make a difference in my life, in my family. The bondages have been broken. I don't want to live any longer like this. Today is my last day that I live like this. And today I will give my life to him. Online church, if you're there, you can start chatting in. If this is something that you want to make as a personal decision, put it in the chat. We'll be praying for you. We'll be interceding. So if you're making that decision today, I want you to lift up your hand right there where you are. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I want all the intercessors to intercede at this moment. This is a spiritual battle. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I want all the altar workers to, to come forward. This is the time. If you've made that decision, I want you to come forward to the altar today. Take the step forward. Amen. I see a couple of hands over there. Come forward. somebody next to you, somebody around you that you may want to ask. Now is the time. grace is here for you. He's asking you to respond today. Amen. Let's give a round of applause because God is in this place. He's worthy to be praised. Give him a round of applause because he is worthy to be praised. 
as we continue to pray, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And those of you who are on online church, you can pray this prayer right where you are in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you are. Let's pray together. Father God, I come into your presence. I recognize that I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your blood. Come into my heart. Transform my life. I ask you that you break all bondages, all generational curses, in the name of Jesus, I am free. I declare freedom. Give him a round of applause. difficulties responding to grace or are struggling right now with a conflict or a problem or an issue just like the church of Rome see they were saved they had known what Jesus Christ could do for them but they still struggled and still battled internally and also externally if you're going through a battle if you're going through a challenging time I urge you I challenge you to come to the altar today and lay it all before him and say I'm responding to your grace today I'm responding to your grace today I come before you I lay it all down I no longer want to live like this I no longer want to have these burdens on my shoulders come forward to the altar and we'll be praying for you